The science of love comes down to some pretty simple daily habits. Don't miss these essential moments that link you and your spouse together. Welcome to the Only You Forever podcast. If you want to build a thriving, passionate marriage, we've got the research, the truth, and the answers you've been looking for. And now, here are your hosts, Caleb and Verlinda Simone Gendel. Hey, everybody, this is episode number 40. How about that, Verlinda? Number 40. Wow. And we're going to be talking about the small but very critical habits of daily life that deepen our love. Okay. Can I say that in a nerdy way? Sure. We want to educate you on habitual psychosocial interpersonal behaviors that promote healthy attachment in marriage relationships. Wow. You are a nerd. Thank you. Well, here's why I'm being nerdy. There's quite a bit of science aimed at understanding love. And I think we can learn from that today. That's what I'm hoping we can do. Okay. And a good deal of that is centered around attachment theory. And we'll talk about that and make that simple. But the point is that we can do simple, tangible things in our daily interaction as a couple that leverage kind of how God has wired us to build thriving, passionate marriages, especially thriving, like in the sense of like really healthy, happy, satisfying. Okay. Does that make sense? Sure. Okay. So let's get to a basic understanding of attachment talk theory for a couple of minutes, and then we'll get down to the rubber meets the road, the good stuff. Okay. All right. And if I get too much up on this guy, you can just pull me down to earth. All right. Here again, because I did get a little bit geeked out on this. All right. There's really four broad styles of loving. So I know some of our listeners have adopted children. Mm-hmm. And if they've done that, they've probably been educated on attachment theory because right. it's so critical to forming relationships, right? So yeah. how should I put this? There's, there's four broad styles of attachment. Okay. But today I want to come at attachment from another angle that looks at it inside marriage and really puts us in one or two categories. And all of us, you know, it's a simpler angle, but all of us really going to spend time as one or the other. And it's either being the withdrawer or the pursuer, withdrawer or pursuer in our marriage. Okay. So usually a marriage has one of each and a withdrawer is the one who in conflict or even in just general behavior tends to be more turned in and closed off, less likely to voice wants and needs less likely to to disclose something about himself or herself, often the male, stereotypically, and I think reasonably so, Mm -hmm. the male. So is this kind of like putting up the walls? It can be, but um, while I don't necessarily want to think of it, you know, negatively. Oh, okay. Think of it more as a feature or just the default style. Oh, okay. But yeah, in its... You know, when marriage starts to get dysfunctional or in a fight, yeah, there's walls going up, they're shutting down, they're pulling back, checking out, that kind of thing, right? We're going to talk about that. Okay, but right now you're just talking about typically in a marriage. Typically. They're not the one to come out and voice it. It's harder, yeah. Okay. And it's kind of like, you know, in our relationship, this is me, right? So if I need to say something important to you about my internal world that you don't already know, it kind of feels like I have this big wheelbarrow and I'm pushing down a road and I've just come to like a speed bump, a large speed bump, and I really have to shove it up over the bump. Hmm. It just takes that extra effort. Now, in our the worst version of ourselves as withdrawers, we shut down completely in a confrontation, which is what you were referring to. Mm-hmm. And either leave the room physically or just check out mentally. Hmm. Maybe deliberately to sabotage the conversation or maybe we get so overwhelmed that we just can't even think. We shake okay. our heads, throw our hands up and say, I don't know what, mm-hmm. what your problem is, right? Okay. Now, the pursuer 
is characterized by blaming. This is more on the negative side. So if you're the withdrawer, then I'm the pursuer. Is that <laughs> what you're saying? Well. <laughs> Just keep going. <laughs> yeah, you'll have to admit what you want to admit. I'm not blaming you for anything. <laughs> <laughs> but this person is often less receptive to the wants, needs, and disclosure of the withdrawer. Is usually more volatile, much more vocal and outspoken <laughs> in conflict, and tends to attack when hurt rather than pull back and shut down. Hmm. Interesting facts, eh? Very, yes. Yeah. So I would say, Rolanda, probably three quarters of couples are more or more are, you know, there's one pursuer and one withdrawer. Usually the husband withdraws, usually the wife pursues. Okay. And I think that's partially because in our culture, we're socialized for the woman to take responsibility for relationships oh. more than for men to do so, right? Okay. Now, in a marriage, you can also get two pursuers. That could be really volatile. That's probably what that's going to look like. And you could get two withdrawers. What's that going to look like? It's going to look like there's... Quiet. Quiet. Avoiding? Separate. Avoiding, yeah. Like, we just don't talk about stuff. Mm. Could be how that goes. And, Verlinda, in a healthy relationship, you actually tend to trade roles quite a bit. So even though we're more predominantly one way than, than the other, there are times when I pursue. Oh, this is you, making me feel better. You're kind of withdrawn. Don't, I still think you're weird, but... <laughs> and... And then there are times where you'll withdraw more mm -hmm. or you'll pursue, right? So you do, yeah. you do tend to oscillate in a healthy relationship as well. Okay. Okay. So that's the norm. That's the norm. Husband withdraws, wife pursues, more typical, right? Mm -hmm. Now, I think biblically God pursues people through Jesus Christ. And I just want to go down this road for one sec here and then connect it back, okay? Okay. Now, in Ephesians 5, because I'm asking myself, what's normal or how should this look? Is it right for the husband to typically be the withdrawer and the wife typically to pursue? In Ephesians 5, husbands are called to love our wives as Christ loves the church. Okay, so there's a model there. There's kind of a standard, mm -hmm. an ideal that's set out. So let me ask you this question. Between Christ and the church, which one is usually pursuing and which one is usually withdrawing? Christ would be pursuing. Yeah. And that's who the husbands are called to emulate, hmm. to follow, mm -hmm. mimic, right? So I think that... A healthier model is for husbands to be more responsible for the marriage than what we have been, even though socially, culturally, perhaps we more default to withdrawing. Interesting. So take it back to our first five years of marriage, friendly. We had some great moments, but I was struggling and withdrawn a lot as a result. Now, as you take yourself back there, just kind of describe there your experience of that in one word, two words. Hmm. I think unsure. Unsure. Like just unsure of what I was going to get. Yeah. Because I wasn't there. Yep. You weren't there. I was and, there, but not there. And if I pursued, I wasn't quite sure what reaction I was going to get. Yeah. So it's not a great place to be in, right? No. And so I really want to give our listeners some effective ways of helping their marriages through this. Okay. And this is where we come back to the, where the rubber meets the road here. And we think about, we have this framework in our minds of the withdrawer and pursuer, but now we start looking at real tangible daily behaviors Mm -hmm. that establish emotional connections, regardless of what your role is or has been. Oh, okay. 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 Number one, every day talking and sharing. This is a critical habit. And this is from uh, the Journal of Marriage and Family Therapy in uh, 2010, I think it was. Daily talking and sharing creates companionship. Mm -hmm. That seems quite obvious to say, right? Yeah. But it's really things just like having conversations about personal matters, things like, you know, just sharing your activities that day, 
your plans for the evening for the next day, but you're just having daily, you know, this is not talking about the big dreams and hopes for the future. That's all great stuff too. But this is just talking about what's going on in my world today so that you're, you and I are a part of each other's world. We know what's going on because we're sharing. Okay. Yeah. And do this, like get face to face, have eye contact, make your body language so it's engaged and use those listening skills that draw your spouse out, understand what they were experiencing today, why it was good for them, why it was bad for them what that means about them, what's going on in their world and that type of thing. So it's really listening, empathizing, understanding. And putting your phone down. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for slipping that random thought in there. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so number one, because we wanted to give our listeners four critical habits Mm -hmm. here, everyday talking and sharing. Number two, recognize your typical role as the withdrawer, (laughs) withdrawer, withdrawer (laughs) or pursuer and compensate for that. So as the withdrawer, one of the things I've had to learn to do is to voice my wants and needs, Mm -hmm. to be more vocal about them, to confide, you know, to push that wheelbarrow over the hump, to self-disclose, let you know what's going on in my world, speak to that. Mm -hmm. Okay. And as the pursuer, I've had to learn to soften my responses a little bit Mm -hmm. or respond more positively when you do voice a want or a need or disclose something. Right. So when I think about that, Verlin, it's more like, what you want to achieve is a, this secure emotional bond. Mm-hmm. Instead of withdrawing, I can provide that by letting you into my world. Mm. And I can do this by just making it safer environment. The connection. Make that connection safer. Yeah. And that leads to stronger attachment. This theory that's kind of been undermining or undergirding, not undermining <laughs> all that we're talking about. Okay. Okay. So recognize the role and compensate. That's number two. Okay, number three, Verlinda, I want to take this attachment idea, this withdrawing and pursuing, Mm -hmm. down into physical intimacy now, okay? Mm -hmm. So this is an article from Johnson et al. in 2010, also from the Journal of Marriage and Family Therapy. And they kind of give you five things to do, or five um, attitudes, I don't know, perspectives, instead of five or six that you shouldn't do. So let's start with the positives, okay? Okay. Be relaxed and confident. Or aim for that. So this is during physical intimacy. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Aim to be relaxed and confident. That takes a while to develop if you're newly married. Mm-hmm. And man, that's a whole nother episode probably right there. But I'm just going to leave it generally at that for the moment. Number two is openly communicating during physical intimacy about what's working and what's not working, what you're enjoying, what you're not enjoying. So you have to bring mm-hmm. your partner to the awareness of what your experience of it is, oh. of the intimacy is as well. And as part of that, openly stating your needs. So as a withdrawer, this might be hard. Yeah. Hmm. And then being responsive to those needs mm-hmm. and aiming for closeness. And that's a very, very critical point. So that the, the sexual intimacy is not about an act of release or relief. It's about deepening intimacy. We just talked about this in episode number 37. 37. Mm-hmm. Good job. Why don't we link to that? All right. Thanks for remembering that. So you want to kind of be aware and conscious of these attitudes and behaviors rather than, you know, letting sex become something that happens with very low frequency or, you know, it, maybe your some marriages get to the point where there's solitary masturbation going on so mm-hmm. that it's not happening as a couple. Avoiding that intimacy entirely or demanding that needs be met mm-hmm. or using sex to gain reassurance or to avoid feelings of rejection, hmm. Right. Or focusing solely on our own pleasure and dismissing the value of the emotional connection. Hmm. Yeah. So how we approach physical intimacy is part of this whole withdrawer pursuer thing as well, and really deepening the love bond. 
Okay. It should be making love. Right. Hence the expression, right? Yeah. And then number four, just to take this into another realm as well, this from Harrison Marshall in 2008, an interesting article where they talked about spiritual intimacy as it relates to attachment and love. Okay. So hmm. praying together. Now that's a habit that's, that took us a while to develop, but it, one of the great things about it is it coordinates you going to bedtime. If you do it at night. Yeah. If mm -hmm. you pray together at night. Yeah. And, and praying together, but it just, it adds another layer of intimacy. Yeah. So not only praying together, but also being involved in a spiritual community together. So involving yourselves in a church together, I think, is another great thing that we can do. So you're saying if both couples are involved and pulling their weight. Both spouses. Both spouses. Yeah. Both spouses yeah. in a couple. Then there's going to be more yes. intimacy and closeness. Yeah. You're doing something together. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. There's an also related like an interpersonal between the couple part of this too, right? Which I think is be willing to forgive. And in many ways that, mm. you know, that's, that's an emotional activity. It's also kind of a spiritual one as well. Mm -hmm. That's so important. Yeah. And then number four is something I think that we've really come on to in the last year or so, maybe a little bit longer, but developing a sense of shared vision and purpose. And you feel this is a spiritual thing? That, well, it's kind of sacred to the couple, right? Oh, okay. So in, our, in ours, you know, that's helping marriages. Yeah. But there's thousands of ways of doing this. Whatever it might be, it could be different from couple to couple, but there is that shared vision. Like whether it be a foster home or yeah. adoption. Yes. We have friends Mission doing work. Yes. Yeah. Hmm. Or just immersing yourself in some way, serving your church community or your community. Mm -hmm. There's so many different ways to think about this, right? Yeah. So that's number four is, is spiritual intimacy. And how are we doing this in the daily fabric of our lives to deepen our love for one another? Hmm. Eh? Okay. So a quick review there. Number one, share and talk every day. Number two, recognize your typical stance as the pursuer or withdrawer and compensate for that. Number three, be intentional about your attitudes and perspectives on sexual intimacy. And number four, develop spiritual intimacy in your marriage as well. And so those four things, if we do those four things, what is it developing or what is it doing it's for us? It's deepening our love, building that attachment bond. Okay. Interesting. Huh. Well, that's all for today's episode. You can get the full show notes at oif.link slash 40. And we've had a lot of new listeners to our podcast lately, and we want to welcome you. Thanks for tuning in. So make sure you check out our website at onlyyouforever.com. And there's further resources there, including the ability to sign up for our weekly emails. And in those, we give you extra tips and little stories from our own marriage as well. Thanks. And we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the OnlyYouForever.com podcast. Please help us reach and influence a wider audience by rating and reviewing our podcast at OnlyYouForever.com slash love. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. So this is from Johnson, and I can't believe this guy's last name is Zucchini. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure you didn't spell it wrong? I must have. I just don't know how you could be. In it's it. spell check. It must be. <laughs> <laughs> There's a guy whose name is Zucchini. He's talking about sexual intimacy. Very good. Yes. <clears throat> <laughs> we could say Johnson and his friend or something. <laughs> Johnson at all. <laughs> Johnson and his friend Zucchini. <laughs>